It is Tuesday, October 5th. This is Jaguar's Happy Hour. And now, a guy who demands to be saluted in the hallway, J.P. Shedrick. That is inaccurate, and this is Jaguar's Happy Hour. And welcome in. My name is J.P. Shadrick. That's the accurate part. Jeff Logman along shortly. That was Joe Fortunato in Hearts Unknown today. We've got a busy program ahead, a busy two hours ahead here on Jaguars Radio. In fact, Shad Khan's statement on Urban Meyer. We'll go through what the Jaguars owner had to say a little earlier today. We'll get our final look at the Jaguars' loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Our first look at the Tennessee Titans, the division rivals, the division leaders are coming to town this Sunday. How do the Jaguars ignore the noise, move forward, and, and move on to Tennessee? That's a big question moving ahead. And the Jaguars, of course, trying to snap the uh, franchise's worst losing skid, now, now 19 games, four straight to start this season, tied for the third longest in league history. But it's a big task this week against a Titans team that can run the football. We'll see if any receivers are back for the Titans. Then at 5 o'clock today, the Urban Meyer Show will air on the Jaguars radio network with head coach Urban Meyer joining us. And we'll get his uh, comments on the Shad Khan statement. That will come up at 5 o'clock today on the network, so stay tuned there. Of course, let's start with the biggest news of the week. Uh, Urban Meyer apologizing Monday for video and photos that came out on social media over the weekend after the mini-buy for the Jags. I just apologize to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction. It's stupid. Uh, and so I explained everything that happened and owned it and, you know, just stupid. Uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. Uh, I stayed to see the grandkids and we all went to dinner that night at uh, the restaurant. And then there's a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and I did. And, and they're, trying to pull me out on the dance floor, screwing around, and I should have left. Well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just, my gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself because I've seen this happen. And, uh, and I just, so the team, the team uh, I spoke to a bunch of leaders one-on-one, -on -one, spoke to all the players. Uh, they're good. They were focused on Tennessee, and I apologized again for being a distraction. Uh, the coach should not be a distraction. That was Urban Meyer, part of his statements on Monday to the media assembled here at TIAA Bank Field. Not long after that, more was posted on Twitter. And today, Jaguars owner Shad Khan issued a statement saying, quote, I have addressed this matter with Urban. Specifics of our conversation will be held in confidence. What I will say is his conduct last weekend was inexcusable. I appreciate Urban's remorse, which I believe is sincere. Now he must regain our trust and respect. That will require a personal commitment from Urban to everyone who supports, represents, or plays for our team. I am confident he will deliver, end quote. That's Jaguars owner Shad Khan. Jeff Lagerman in with us now. It's been an eventful couple of days, and it has nothing to do with football. Moving ahead here. Well, and that's, that's the problem, you know, that it doesn't have anything to do with football. And, and at in no way, shape, or form do you want a coach to ever be a distraction. In fact, the coaches are the ones that are always preaching about players not doing anything to create a distraction. And this certainly has created a distraction. And in, when you stand up in front of a team and uh, you're asking for six months of laser focus 
and giving us all that you've got for six months and not creating distractions. And then all of a sudden you become part of that distraction. That's a problem. And I think that when that happens, then the confidence sometimes and the believability in the head coach and the respect can erode. And that's the challenge that I think that Urban Meyer faces now going forward is that how the locker room reacts from here on out. Yeah, everybody's human. Everybody has a, a cell phone these days as well. And most of the players are on social media, can see what's out there. So you can say, you know, put the blinders on, focus, get ready for Tennessee. But you pick this thing up again, and, well, and it's I mean, right there in front of you. Uh, you know, two things on that. Well, one is that uh, obviously I think we all have made mistakes before, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we're not, nobody's perfect. I was very surprised to hear that he stayed back in Cincinnati and didn't return with, uh, with the team charter because that's just how I've always known things to be done. Uh, I think the only thing that I would probably say, okay, that, uh, that that's understandable would be is that if a, a head coach had a, a, a sickness in the family or if there was a death and attending a funeral or something of that nature. But, JP, it's kind of, it's kind of like – the, the captain always stays with the ship, and uh, and it certainly just doesn't have a very good look to it. I'll say that. How do you, you know, we're going through the, the Shadkan statement here, and, and we're going to hear from Urban Meyer coming up at 5 o'clock on the Urban Meyer Show today and get his thoughts on it, obviously. Um, regaining trust and respect. We, we touched on it there a second ago. How do you think the head coach has to go about doing that? What specifically can he do to regain that? Well, first of all, he needs to use the his own terms, which is own it, right? I mean, we've heard that term many times being talked about throughout the year, and uh, he would need to own it and to talk to the team in a team setting with the staff there and everybody present. I mean, I think that's what needs to happen. I don't know if that's happened yet or not, but that's certainly, I think, the first step, and to apologize to to those that were affected by it. And... You know, this this is not an easy situation to deal with, JP. I mean, I've never no. I've never really kind of seen anything kind of like this. And, you know, when you had the the press conference that happened and then, you know, the second video comes out, which mm-hmm. certainly it kind of contradicts what was said. And so uh, that's the challenging part of all of this. And I think that's why you had a statement that was issued by ownership. And that's not something that you want to have happen during the season. Playing football is hard enough. I mean, it's incredibly hard. I don't think you want it any time, but certainly not during the season. No, either. you don't yeah. want it at all. Right. I mean, it look playing football and winning football games is hard. I mean, it look this football team has lost a lot of games, and I know Urban Meyer was not at the helm to lose all of the games that were lost, all nineteen games or whatever. But, but uh, it's just it's not it's not what you want to have happen at this point in the season when you're getting ready to come home and face a division opponent. And for that matter, it doesn't – I mean, going anywhere. I mean, you just don't want it at any point in the season. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, it's Jaguars Happy Hour. And again, coming up at 5 o'clock, we'll have an exclusive conversation with head coach Urban Meyer on the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. So stay tuned. We'll get his thoughts on Shotcon's statement earlier today. So now, looking ahead a little bit, we're going we're to look back to the, the Bengals game also and then get into some football moving ahead here. Let's start going back, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was 
This was another game that the Jags had. They had it in the bag. It was a two-score game. Could have been a three-score game, and then the second half collapse happened again. Second week in a row that's happened. First, it was a, it was a fantastic football game, I mean, as far as the excitement level. Yeah. I mean, this was – you know, the Jaguars cut out to an early start, and then, you know, you had some drama there at the end of the half where the Cincinnati Bengals stop them on downs. So the Bengals come out and score uh, on their next two possessions. The Jaguars answer. I mean, it was back and forth. I mean, this is – as entertaining of a football game, primetime event. I mean, most of the primetime games that have happened in the National Football League have been outstanding yeah, this year. I was this one s- stayed right in line. I was going to say, this feels like most other games we see around the NFL, not the Jaguar game. Well, that's the, prime, the games that we've been seeing <laughs> right. primetime have been just yeah. like this. And, uh, you know, two number one overall pick quarterbacks that, uh, that played really good. I thought Trevor Lawrence played his best football game yet. And he showed some mobility, got his first rushing touchdown of his career. And the Jaguars were able to overcome some early injuries to A.J. Can and D.J. Chark to still be able to, do, to produce. I mean, that was, that was a strong, strong game, I thought, by the offense in the first half and the defense as well. And then in the second half, the defense just, once again, like the Arizona Cardinal game, oh. they, just, they just seemed to struggle in the second half. And they struggled again against the Cincinnati Bengals in the second half. And uh, give Joe Burrow credit. And, uh, and look, they got their running game going in the second half, which they did not have at all in the first half. They did a great job on Joe Mixon in the first half. I think he had five carries for 14 yards in the first half. And that was the big reason why you had success against the Bengals. And then they come out in the second half, hit some explosive plays, get Joe mm-hmm. Mixon going, and it's the tale of two halves. I mean, that opening drive, they throw a 44-yarder to chase down the field past Campbell, and that kind of opens things up, and here we go. You know, And, and it seems like there were moments where they kind of spread it out and – exploited some of the matchups they felt they had some advantages in in the Jaguars secondary and linebacker court it worked out for them unfortunately yeah, yeah and, and and look Joe, Joe Burrow also kind of had the tail of two halves yes he did and it was kind of so, like that last night too. I don't know if you watched the Monday night game Derek Carr was like that he was terrible in the first half yeah he half, wasn't very good in the first really half really good in the second half and toward, until the tail end of the football game but and kind of got them back in the game and uh, I think at, at that, Las Vegas you know, for me, so far, this National Football League year has been unbelievable. I mean, not, not talking Jaguar specifically, but I mean, as far as the, the entertainment no, it's value, it's been unbelievable here too. But of the games, for different reasons. Yes, but but the but the ta- the entertainment value of some of the national games that have been out there by uh, in the NFL have been nothing short of just marvelous. Yeah. So let's have some more of those with the Jaguars involved, but with a winning result at the end of those. That's well, the and, and you know the unfortunate thing is that where we're at now that you know you're trying to get past this this distraction, yeah, to talk football. And I mean, this is not what you want to be talking about because on, on a Tuesday because everything that's happened the last three four days goes into the next three or four days. And well, it, 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 won't, it, 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 it doesn't end. It's, it does not end. It doesn't end. No. And because as what, much as you want to move forward and, and say you're moving ahead to the Titans and all that, it's still just a prevailing thing. The, well, it's going to float in the air. That's right. It, it's it's going to be there. The one thing I think that's a little bit different, you know, now post-COVID or during COVID, because we're still de- dealing with it, I guess you could say, is that you don't have open locker rooms anymore. That's correct. They only have a certain period outside for certain tiered members of the media to be at the walkway from the practice field. Right. Select players. 
at the podium. A couple years ago, you you had the NFL had required open locker room, and the open locker room, basically the entire locker room was open to all media. 45 minutes a day. It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I believe some Mondays, though Monday was kind of up in the air. Yeah, so you don't have that anymore. So now the players are made available, and which now you don't have – because before, you know, to to go back in the day, Pete Prisco would walk in the locker room and he could talk to one of 53 guys anytime he wanted to, as long as the guys were in the locker room. Did that in 2019 too, absolutely. one thing that happened when there was – any kind of scandals and all of a sudden the locker room, it was like roaches and the lights turned on. <laughs> Gone. Everybody disappeared. If there was anything going on. You know, so. Well, we got lunch to eat or so, weeks I mean, I, to lift or something. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit, I don't want to say palatable. It's going to be a little bit easier to deal with from that perspective. But nowadays with uh, the players and social media and, and everything else, I mean, it's, it's out there and it's not going to go away. And so I think it's a great challenge for this team this week. Uh, from a player standpoint, to to find a way to kind of tune some of the things out and to focus in on preparing for a football game against a, a, a rough and tough physical punch in the mouth offense that the Tennessee Titans have because this is just a division rival game. All right, we'll come back in a moment, Logs. And speaking of that, we will get into this Tennessee Titans offense, and you, my friend, will tell <laughs> us how to stop Derrick Henry. <laughs> We want answers yeah. today. That's what that's we want. Not, that's not an easy one <laughs> to handle, I can tell you that. Plenty ahead. We're off and running. The Urban Meyer Show coming up at 5 o'clock. The head coach will join us and discuss Shad Khan's statement from earlier today. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. When Jaguars news breaks, you'll hear about it first on 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by DreamFinders Homes, homes that fit your lifestyle. And by Baptist Health, changing health care for good. Welcome back. Jaguars Happy Hour on this Tuesday afternoon. Busy schedule ahead at Daly's Place. NF coming up October 6th. That's tomorrow. Zach Brown Band on the 8th. Alice Cooper Logs October 9th. Pitbull October 12th. Three doors down, three doors down on the 14th of October tickets at dailiesplace.com Alice Cooper man did you know that he is one hell of a golfer incredible (laughs) golfer apparently (laughs) Ace Freely's playing with him that night from Kiss guitar guitar player really first of all how old are they Um, let's just say they've seen some things That's all I'll say on that front. There's there's certain guys first of all Alice Cooper I I believe uh, years ago got off of the bad things that a lot yes. of rock and rollers were, were on. Yes, he did. But it's just amazing how some of those guys have persevered. You know, guys like Keith Richards. They just they just made it. And you go, how in the world did they even survive? Alice Cooper is now 73 years old. Did you ever think, JP, Vincent that you David could be Fernier. going to a concert that was headlined by a Alice. 73-year-old rocker? Yeah, named Alice Cooper? No. But uh, – <laughs> Good for him, man. That's He's, great. They put together a, a fantastic tour. Looking forward to seeing those shows uh, coming up at Daly's Place. Uh, also looking forward to this game on Sunday. I know that sounds weird. I'm looking forward to it because it is one of the great challenges every, well, twice a year to face the Tennessee Titans running game. And well, how I, do you defend it? It seems like 
you know, at least the trend has been once a year the Jaguars defense plays it okay. And then the second game, usually Derrick Henry runs for 220 yards and three touchdowns. Well, let, let me just say this, too, that uh, when, when you say you're very much looking forward to the game, so am I. And I, and I think that's one the beauty of the game is that the, the game sometimes it takes you when, when you're playing it. You think about nothing but the game. Your blinders yeah. are on. And, so, and for some players that are dealing with whether it be personal issues or or you know you've had this distraction that's created been created this week. Um, when you get to the game, now it's it it tunes that out somewhat. And I, th- I think from a player standpoint, sometimes it's nice to, to immerse yourself in the game so that you're not talking about everything else that doesn't have anything to do with the game. Okay, then now that you're in the game, yes, you have to deal with trying to find a way to stop the best running back that the NFL has and arguably one of the most physical running backs that the league has ever seen. You know, your point – just a moment ago, remember the, the the baseball movie for the love of the game. Kevin mm-hmm. Costner is a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, mm-hmm. and he on the mound he clears the mechanism and everything right. just whoosh, down quiet. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what and that's about what that's right what there. football does. I mean, you hear a lot of guys talk, and that may be going through some type of. And I'm not saying like personal issues, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know what's what's happened here. With, uh, with the Jaguars, but, I mean, any type of thing. But Let's say it's a family sickness or a death in the family. For example, there were games that some great NFL players, Hall of Fame-type players, Brett Favre loses his dad mm-hmm. and then plays one of the most incredible games that he's ever played. In the black hole. In, in the in black Oakland. hole in it Oakland. Un- okay, unbelievable. And, the, and he talked about how it just it, it took him to a different place and it allowed him to kind of tune out everything for just that three hours and that's and I think some players will get to that point this week because you know here here's the reality that they're going to be there's going to be a lot of conversation this week that has nothing to do with Derrick Henry Mm -hmm. that doesn't have anything to do with the Titans defense or special teams or the rest of their offensive players and that's where I think the players are you know they've got to find a way to pull themselves together and uh and and get the focus back well, when that conversation does turn to Derrick Henry, how the <laughs> hell do you stop this guy? I've always heard coaches have different terms for it, but I will tell you this, it's not easy. And there's a lot of different ways. People say, well, you got to get him before he gets started. Well, yeah, that's easy to do, but he gets started. I mean, he's a great <laughs> back. And uh, you got to tackle him low because you got to avoid the stiff arm. Well, you know what? He stiff arm guys down to the ground. Okay, well, you got to make him go outside. He's not a speed player. Oh, yes, he is. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Titans, a lot of their game plan and their design is to get him to the outside so that he can get on the force players that might be smaller, defensive backs or safeties or whatever. So there is no easy answer. The answer is this. You need to play good, sound football, and you need to make sure that everybody's flying to the football because it takes more than one to bring him down because he's a great back. He's a great back. And I just ne- I'll just i never forget when the Jaguars drafted T.J. T. Yeldon. Yes. And, J.P., from, you'll remember this. Yes. And I believe they drafted him in the second round. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't believe they just drafted the guy who was the starter because every time they put in his backup, the backup was better than him, which the backup was Derrick Henry. Well, 
I mean, over the last 10 years in Tuscaloosa, you could throw them all in a pot and they're all going to start at some point. They're all starters. They all roll in there and play. Sure. I mean, Josh Jacobs didn't even play running back much, and he was a first-round pick as a running back. And he's a great with back. The, with the Raiders. He's one of the best Alabama backs that's in the league, he right? He scored on, on, yeah, like 70% of his touches or something were touchdowns. Yeah, it's, uh, it's impressive. I mean, yeah. first of all, Derek Henry, I think, even though as much as Jaguar fans would like to hate him, he's a local guy. Eh, you can still dislike the guy. Well, you can dislike him you know for what a I day. Dislike? I'll, let me begin. I'll start with this. You know what I dislike? Is I dislike the, the, the hair thing flopping and the drawstrings flapping when he's running down the sideline uncontested. I hate that. Spoken like, I a, hate that. Spoken like a true bald guy. I don't like it's it. It's just jealous that Derrick well, Henry I'm jealous has that he's flowing locks. Running for 70-yard touchdowns on the Jaguars' defense. That's what I'm jealous about. <laughs> oh I'll start with that. Goodness. I, I dislike I the guy. I never thought. And I know he's from Yuli, and I know he's a, and he's probably a nice guy. I've never met him. But. Can't I don't care. He's I wearing can't a believe you hat. went public with that. I said With it. your jealousy. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> that, that's no secret. It's what it is, man. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, JP is jealous of Derrick Henry's locks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? And I'm tired of seeing it from behind when he's running down the sideline. I'm sure our defenders are too. Or seeing it from the ground looking up at him when he's stiff-armed five guys I, running I just down remember the field. because Jeez. you go back and uh, – and obviously, I think it was him and Fred Taylor's son and Derrick oh. Henry. If I remember correctly, uh-huh. Derrick Henry is the the nas- the nationwide all time high school rushing la- yards leader. Correct, all time. And then Fred Taylor's son, who he was no slouch, was somewhere close to Derrick Henry. Yeah, Kelvin Taylor and, and Kelvin Taylor, and they were having games on ESPN. So they played each other in Yulee the last their last year. I guess it was uh, Derrick Henry's senior year. I didn't go to the game, but there were like half the Jaguars team went to the game and stood on the sideline. It was a Friday night up yeah. in Dooley, and it was like the, the most crowded game you could ever think of. I remember seeing the highlights of the game, and Henry's running for touchdowns down the field as he always did, 400 yards or something, and all these scores. And then Kelvin Taylor bounces back and runs a big one. It was like that game. Back that's and why forth. They, that's why they went. So, and which, which was, first of all, arguably one of the greatest high school games of all time by two great players, and one of them goes on to win the Heisman and now is the best back in the National Football League, and that's not even debatable. There's nobody even close to him. And one thing also to factor in, JP, Derrick Henry is now not just a runner. He is also a receiver for the Tennessee Titans. Oh, no. See, he never really did anything (laughs) against the Jaguars in the past game. He only has one receiving touchdown against the Jags, and it was a little little screen to the left at the end of 17, and he took it 66 yards down the seam after that for a touchdown. So it was all run. It wasn't like catch and run. Derrick Henry is the second-leading receiver. Oh my For the gosh. Tennessee Titans right oh, now. With no, it just gets catches. worse. The hits keep on coming, man. <laughs> what is that? And his locks are getting longer. Yeah. Yours well, are not. Nine will never. <laughs> uh, but he's obviously first in the league in rushing attempts, first in the league in rushing yardage, and first tied for first in rushing touchdowns with four of those. The question's going to be, I think, as the years go on, and I think a lot of people will have the same question about Derrick Henry's career moving ahead. He takes a lot of shots. He does, because people take their shot at him when they can, 
Mm-hmm. So he he does take some licks now. How will be he be able to handle the long term grind of this? How many years are left in this big body of his? Well, JP, I mean, so far he has shown zero signs of slowing down. He does a great job off the he's, field in the off season. He's too. six foot three ish, maybe <laughs> four ish. Right. Okay, <laughs> and he's two hundred and fifty pounds, and that's a legitimate two hundred and fifty pounds. He reminds me a little bit. When I was in high school, we were in uh, our uh, playoff games, and I believe I was uh, was a junior in high school, and so we're we're in the playoffs and we're playing. I can't remember the name of the team. It was somewhere a high school football team that was somewhere from the southwest corner of Virginia, and we go to this playoff game and and they've got this running back and he's about two hundred and sixty pounds, and he was just a you know, big roly poly kind of guy, but he could run. And I'll never forget the coach, Coach Ed Scott, who was our great head coach at Parkview High School in Sterling, Virginia. And he's talking to the team, and he's telling everybody about how our you know our tackling plan. You know, we're gonna we're gonna take him low, and uh, we're gonna knife his legs out from underneath of him, and we're gonna make sure we fly to him and get as many people as we can get there to him. And he turns and looks at me, JP, and he goes, he goes, I want everybody to go low except for you, Jeff. He goes, I want you to hit him right in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome, coach. We get in the game, we're like, this Thanks. guy is like a tank. <laughs> so, I mean, you'd like to have somebody that can hit Derrick Henry in the mouth, but I'm going to yeah. tell you now, it's not going to end up no. so good if you try to hit him in the mouth. No, because he's going to hit you in the mouth with a stiff arm and you're going to go flying about three yards if you're a smaller guy, especially – uh, plenty ahead. There's a lot more to, to talk about on the Titans offense. We'll get to that coming up a little I can, bit. Just real quick. Yeah. Nobody wants to make the Derrick Henry stiff arm oh, highlight reel. It's long already for Players the Players talk about it. Yeah. I mean, that's how good Derrick Henry stiff arm is. They literally have drills. With opposing teams have drills for Derrick Henry stiff arm. You remember in years past? And then and the Jaguars in years past weren't the only teams that had that. They literally practice on knocking the stiff arm down to get into the framework of the body of Derrick Henry. There was a was it the Josh Norman one where he kind of lines it up. He's running wide. He sees Norman coming and kind of keeps his arm in. And then Norman's kind of get in there and then he throws him across into the sideline and. <laughs> They're all on his face. Anyway, all right, let's avoid that this week. We're back in a moment. Plenty more ahead on the offense for the Titans. They could have a couple receivers back, and not just any receivers. Quarterbacks playing well. They've got got a lot of options. And a little later, we'll get into the Titans' defense and what the Jaguars can do this week on the offensive side of the football. And again, coming up in about 30 minutes, 5 o'clock, it's the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars radio network. Head coach Urban Meyer will join us and address the Shad Khan statement from earlier today. Check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network, a free subscription on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Give us that five-star rating as always. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. My name's J.P. Shadrick. Jeff Lagerman alongside. Coming up at 5 o'clock. The Urban Meyer Show, the Jaguars head coach, will join us today and we'll get his reaction and much more on the Shad Khan statement from earlier today. It has been quite an interesting couple of days around TIAA Bank Field, to say the least. All that coming up at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network. Hope you'll stick with us uh, right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Also here in Jacksonville today and on Jaguars social media. 
Let's finish up the Titans offense. You know, I don't know about the hairstyles of Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and those guys like I know Henry. I'm jealous. Well, that's because you're an Alabama that's guy. That's what it is. But uh, Julio Jones is one of the, the best to do it in the NFL. He was out last week, as was Brown. And if those guys are back, then that balances everything out. And you give Tannehill some other weapons down the field and – that can be a real dangerous issue for this Jaguars team. Well, and it could be a dangerous issue because, I mean, we saw this Jaguars team have a hard time dealing with some big plays against the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw that with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, for example, the Cincinnati game, you had a 44-yardage Jamar Chase, and uh, Boyd had a couple big plays, explosive plays that happened the week before against the uh, the Cardinals. I'm trying to remember the name of the wide receiver that wasn't even a, a main guy, but A.J. Green had a couple big plays against the Jaguars. Yeah. So uh, it, it doesn't get easy. You know, t- the only good thing maybe about where the Titans are at right now is that their passing game is not hitting on all cylinders and that, okay, Julio Jones didn't play last week, so is there going to be a little bit of a – ramp up to time needed for him to kind of hit his stride. And, you know, how good is A.J. Brown? What's the chemistry like with Tannehill? But I can tell you this, Tannehill's not off to his best start as a pro. In fact, uh, he's, he's off. He's off the mark. And when you have a great back, the one thing that always is a threat is play action. That's where explosive plays come. Probably 70% of the explosive plays in the league come off of play action. And if you've got the best back in the league – there's your opportunity for having those explosive plays. And so that's why I've always said this, that, and especially with this Jaguars defense, because they're not doing a very good job right now of affecting the passer. They have to be real. I mean, not just okay. They have to be top-notch against the run if they're going to try to impact the passer because that's what some that's an area they're struggling in right now. Yeah, got to slow that down. And then, um, yeah. No, and, no, and where's, the, the, where's the answer for that? Is, is it – we talked about this on a Monday show with Pete and Tony. You want to know the answer to that? I can't wait to hear this. Okay, here, here's the answer, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in this, JP. Playing defense in the National Football League, stopping the run is about attitude. Stopping the pass is about talent. And that if you're doing a good job against the run because that means you're committed to it and you can scheme it up. Yeah. To stop the pass, you have to have the guys that can rush the passer – and you have to have enough guys that can cover the receivers. Mm-hmm. They make plays on the ball the and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. and I and I will always believe that. Wow. And I think that they're they're working on it, and they added a lot of guys in free agency to address the best they could. But the reality is, you're not going to find a great pass rusher around every free agent corner because teams just typically don't let them walk. Well, you could argue that. A lot of the work they did in free agency in the offseason was to stop the run. Because that was priority number one. If they well, don't because, stop the run know, at all, then they can't do anything. Well, so the interior guys, Malcolm Brown and Roy Robertson-Harris and all those big guys in the middle. And, and let me, let me add this, too. I mean, they added it in free agency. But I also will say that the, the one guy that I think is playing really well up front right now for this Jaguars football team, Adam Gotsis. Last year, I thought he was dragging the one leg that he was coming back from an injury, and I think it was an ACL, possibly. You know, this is a guy that was a second-round pick of the Denver Broncos. And you could see clearly at the beginning of the year last year that he just didn't have the power in the leg. Well, as the season wore on, he started to get better. This year, 
he looks like a little bit of a different player to me. I think he's impacting the game in a nice way. He's stout, uh, very stout against the run. He had a sack this past game. Uh, he's got two sacks on the season now. But they need to find a way to get more people to affect the passer. Josh Allen needs to raise the level of play. Miles Jack needs to raise his level of play. Shaq Griffin, uh, Rayshon Jenkins, and these guys need to raise their level of play because that's the only way that you can get better is it by individuals taking care of their job and improving on the performance of their job. You know, let's flip it around now, Logs. You, you think back to the Titans of about four or five years ago on defense and Jarrell Casey pops in your head. You know, he was kind of their big guy up front. He was a big guy with the teeniest calves you've ever seen. <laughs> but he was always an issue, right? <laughs> he, he had calves <laughs> like this big around, and yeah. it was weird. Yeah. And I was like, how does a guy that's well a defensive tackle that is, you know, close to 300-ish, and he's got calves as big as, I don't know, who do we got around here that's skinny? I don't know. Uh, but no, he was an issue. And, but now he's no longer. None of us there. are skinny. Yeah, they, <laughs> I'm struggling to find right, yeah, anybody. Don't look around here. Skinny. Uh, so <laughs> Rashawn Evans is their leading tackler, linebacker, right? Uh, Harold Landry's there. He's an outside linebacker. In yeah, this Landry's team. a good player. I mean, but uh, who else is on uh, up Simmons front is on a this good defense? Player. Simmons is up front. Yeah, Simmons is a good player. He's a he's a force. Can be a force in the middle. Um, but they just, you know, they're, that's a defense that I, I, is kind of similar to the Jaguars in that they're, they're still trying to find more talent. And some of the talent that they have had has just kind of been okay. And they've, trust me, they've they swung many times. At, at, and I think John Robinson does a really good job with that football team, the general manager there. Mm-hmm. I like some of the things that he's done. I, I think he does a pretty good job. And uh, but sometimes it, it takes time to build talent, and much like here with Trent Balky and Urban Meyer taking over, they can't change this defense instantly by the snap of a finger in one year of a draft and free agency. It takes a little bit of time. You got to have free agent guys impact it, and you also have to be able to address your defense through the lifeblood of any franchise, which is the draft. And right now they haven't gotten a lot of production out of the defensive picks yet. And hopefully in the future, those guys will all continue to get better and improve and start having an impact for this defense. The Jaguars offense mixed in some more of that read option run with Trevor Lawrence last week. Of course, hand the ball off a bunch to, to James Robinson in the first half against Cincinnati. They, did, they got away from it in the second half a little bit. And couldn't run the ball effectively in the in the second part of that game, but you know that that feels like it's what it's going to be. I mean, Trevor's, I think, running the football now about six, eight, nine, ten times a game. Ten might be a little heavy, but just to mix it in there and kind of keep him comfortable and keep the defense off balance. That read option, maybe an option down in their goal line, but maybe not in fourth and one again. You know, I think that's going to be what it is moving ahead. At least that's the feeling just seen at the last couple of weeks, mixing it in more and more with Trevor. Well, I mean, first of all, it's, it's always, it can always be good and it makes it easier for an offensive coordinator. If the quarterback has the threat of mobility mm-hmm. because it makes them account for the quarterback as a runner which is the whole purpose of the read option. A lot of times in the National Football League, if you have a classic drop-back quarterback that doesn't have the ability to run, okay, now you're not accounting for him being a runner. And it's different when 
when because Trevor has the ability to run the football, and it was, I think, a, a season high as far as the number of carries goes against the Bengals, and he did a good job for the most part. You know, when he had that touchdown rushing on that drive that he had, I, was, I think it was a seven-yard touchdown run. Big play, yeah. That was uh, a really good one-on-one move that he had against the defensive end, Ohio State guy. Sam Hubbard. Huh? Hubbard. Hubbard. Flying around. Sam Hubbard. Yeah, he's sliding around. <laughs> and it was a it was an excellent play design and a great one-on-one move that Trevor had. In fact, we're going to be drawing this one up. Oh, yeah. I like it. For I Jags Wired tomorrow night. Baby. I love it. Tomorrow night? Like, yes. On Jags Wired. And then on uh, oh, Jags Wired. Jags Wired. Nice. That's on Fox. On Fox 30. 30. Fox 30. What okay. time? 7? 7? 7.30. 7.30. 7.30 on Fox 30 tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dave DeCandis. That would be tomorrow. So, uh, And then on Thursday for Jaguars All Access, we're actually going to take a look at James Robinson's first touchdown. I like this. If I was to give you seven guesses of who got the key block, seven guesses, J.P., who got the key block on James Robinson's first touchdown run? Go. Uh, the new tight end, Dan Arnold. No. Uh, Cam Robinson. No. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. No. Uh, how about the right tackle, Jawan Taylor? No. Give me Marvin Jones. Nope. Give me Jamal Agnew. You actually got it on the fifth. But really? Marvin Jones Jr. Marvin Jones, all right. Gets the key block. See? On a J-Rob touchdown. He does Somebody it all. gave it to you in your ear. No, not at all. That's honest truth. That's the honest truth. Reber? No, never. Brent Reber would not. He didn't? No. Thank you, Dave. Okay, he got it. He got it. Got it. Got it in five. I'm but, I mean, he's a, he's a team guy. You know, you need a guy to do everything. He's a good route runner. He's the reliable security blanket for the quarterback in the passing game. And he's running blo- run blocking now. Tune in at Jaguars All Access to see it. Love it. Can't wait to see that. Yep. We're back in a moment. Plenty more ahead. The injury report. A couple of guys go on IR for the Jags this week. One comes off the COVID list. And we'll take a look at the AFC South standings and the results from the division this past Weekend and week four, and if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. It's loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. And this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Urban Meyer Show. 15 minutes from now, the Jaguars head coach will join us and discuss the Shad Khan statement from earlier today. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back. Final moments of Jaguars Happy Hour coming up at 5 o'clock. Ten minutes or so from now, the Urban Meyer Show. The Jaguars head coach will join us and discuss the comments from... Jaguars owner Shad Khan and his statement earlier today. Veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, glad you're along with us. You know, I was, uh, during that commercial timeout, there was one that ran from Alert Today, Florida, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The uh, walking safely on the road and bicycle safety and all that. We did a, an event today. It was Walk to School Day with the Jaguars at Biscayne Elementary School. Okay. It was a virtual event. Where we uh, go in on Zoom in these in the classrooms, it's uh, kindergarten to second grade, and it was uh, myself and Ben Barch, 
Jaguars now right guard who's going to get significant playing time. Yeah, with the AJ Can going to IR, he yeah. will be the starting right guard. And and Ben was fantastic with the kids. He's uh, if you've ever had a conversation with him, uh, you're going to hear from him a little bit more now. It sounds like moving ahead with. Uh, what's going on with A.J. Cannon. Now in his second year, trying to come along, and this is a way to come along, jump in the lineup. Well, he was a small college guy, St. John's. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, uh, had a conversation with general manager Trent Baalke back in the preseason about it, and he thought that he was vastly improved. And I was not quite the believer yet at that point, but Trent felt very confident in him, and, and Trent's been right. I mean, uh, he, I think he's played very well so far. He had an issue last year at times, Ben Barch did with his feet, trying to keep up with everything. And that when he would make contact sometimes, you know, sometimes we always say, hey, you got to be able to walk and talk and chew gum at the same time. Well, when you're being a, an offensive lineman, you have to be able to use your hands. And then your hands may be in one position, but your feet need to continue to move. And sometimes – now, Ben's feet kind of just stopped, and then that got him into trouble. But he has improved vastly, and I think he has made a, a big stride forward, and I think he's ready for this. Let's take a look at the Jaguars injury report presented by Baptist Health, changing health care for good. These were Monday transactions. Walker Little activated from the reserve COVID-19 list. That's good news. And then wide receiver DJ Chark Jr. and AJ Can, the right guard, placed on injured reserve. They do not have to place a designation on the IR. It could be to return. It could be for the year. It just depends. It has to be three weeks at least. Uh, so Chark, it sounds like, is a bit more than that with a fractured ankle. AJ Can with an MCL issue, according to Urban Meyer. So uh, there you go. Uh, you got to have somebody step up at receiver, and and then Bart steps in at guard. And, and AJ, AJ was a knee, correct? That's right. Yeah, and then Chark. I mean, fractured. I mean, typically six to eight weeks is what you're talking about. That's there. a rough one, though, man. They, I mean, I and mean, that's. I mean, that's just kind of a standard fracture. So I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on television but, sometimes. Yes, you do. Um, you, you've been cut on enough times to might have more uh, knowledge than you ever most break a leg on that. No, I have not. I'm I very broke, lucky. I, I broke no, a I knock on wood because I might walk out of this room and do I it. broke but. my right tibia in college in a practice and I got leg whipped and I had a cast from the toes all the way up to the, to the groin. And, uh, we had at the time at the university of Virginia, one of the greatest hand surgeons in the country and a very highly respected, the, late Dr. Frank McHugh, who was unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable surgeon. And uh, I ended up getting my cast, and then they took me to his house where I stayed for a couple of days, and his wife would feed me. I mean, I was, I was hurting. So, I mean, I hope DJ's okay because, I mean, uh, when you break a bone, I mean, that can, that can hurt now. I mean, it hurt, hurt bad. I don't know if, if it requires surgery. I mean, I haven't heard anything of that no. nature. Uh, but – it unfortunate. Was, he got rolled up on nasty. from behind. He's, you know, he's trying to block, and here nasty. comes, you know, the pile of people, the mass yeah. of bodies chasing. I think it was James Robinson, yes, it was. and they all fall on the back yes, of DJ did. Chark, and mm-hmm. uh, it didn't look good when the cart came out. Hate it for him. Obviously, it's a contract year for him, and a, a big moment. He was trying to get things going in the passing game too, and they, it was a little slow starting there. So let's let's get him healthy, and then figure out uh, what happens. I think it's a great question. Is now now what? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do? You have you have guys that are on the active roster. Can they fulfill the role of DJ? Not that DJ was lights out, but I mean, this was a guy that Trevor was hoping that he could start to develop more chemistry with. Trevor felt that 
Marvin Jones Jr. was already considered a, quote, security blanket mm-hmm. because they worked together. LaVisca coming off his best game. Sure. And, yeah. uh, and he's nicked up a little bit. You can tell it looks like maybe an ankle that's bothering him a little bit. And so who can fill that role? Can Tavon Austin? Does, uh, do they elevate somebody? They've got five wide receivers on the practice squad. No, Tyron Johnson is around too who hasn't had yeah, a I mean, time. Yeah, I mean, they've got guys on the yeah, active roster, some that say they, we've been told that they can run, but it, it's for, hard for us to tell because we haven't seen much of them. But, I mean, that's a very position-heavy load on the practice squad. When you have five wide receivers out of, what is it, a 16-man practice squad with mm-hmm. COVID rules mm-hmm. – that's a lot. I mean, that's nearly a third of your practice squad are wide receivers. That ought to tell you what they think about that position group as a whole. That's the look at the injury report presented by Baptist Health, changing health care for good. Now let's look at the AFC South standings through week number four. And the Tennessee Titans lead the way at 2-2. Two and two. Houston at 1-3, and three, Indy at 1-3, and three, the Jaguars at the bottom at 0-4. Oh and, and how about this? If the Jaguars win Sunday... They're a game out of first place. Think about that for a while. Yeah, it's a big game, though. I mean, it's a big game away. I mean, it, seriously. It is. I'm just saying. <laughs> Indianapolis got their first victory the, this past Sunday. And a lot of question marks with, with them and their quarterback. And Houston it has a, a, a rookie quarterback playing, so you know that the arrow's not exactly pointing up for them. And so, yes, if the Jaguars take care of business this Sunday at home against the Tennessee Titans – you at least get back in the conversation, and that would be uh, a great thing. If not, then uh, it continues. It would be 20 in a row for the Jags and an 0-5 start. So uh, let's think positively. I'm looking at these other divisions. It's like AFC North, Pittsburgh stinks, and everybody else is 3-1, and one, and Pittsburgh still has players on their team, right? Ben's not looking great. Well, well wait a minute. Now, I mean, Ben is not playing well. That's right. And I've watched the film on him. And a lot of people may attribute that that they're not that good around him anymore. Uh, I can tell you this: it's not. I mean, that's not the only issue. Ben Roethlisberger is not playing well. And then I'm looking at the AFC West. You got Chargers, Denver, Vegas, all three and one now. Kansas City at two and two. And that's a great division right there. Boy, now that's that, that, be that tough. division right there is is the the elite. I think of the AFC conferences. Yeah, and then uh, we could go to the NFC. But Arizona's kind of leading the way in the West. That's another good battle. That's a out strong West. conference. Uh, Tampa Bay and Carolina both 3-1 and one in the NFC South. And uh, here we go. NFC East actually has a team with a winning record. So Who's we'll that? see how Cowboys. long that lasts. How about them? How about them? Zeke Elliott's gotten on a roll. So uh, it, uh, it's going to be – so far it's been a great season, I think, as far as like from watching the league from a league standpoint. And, uh, and I just hope that this Jaguars football team can, can break the streak. So that that's a one o'clock kickoff time. The Titans and the Jaguars Sunday at TIAA Bank Field. Two and two Titans in first place. The zero and four Jaguars. Uh, also in the division Sunday, one o'clock kickoff time in Houston, as the Texans host the Patriots. Both teams at one and three to start the season. The Indianapolis Colts play on Monday Night Football next week in Baltimore. The Colts and the Ravens. The Ravens at three and one. That's at eight fifteen Eastern time. Start on Monday night. Yeah, I don't think uh, Colts will be able to you're do not, much in that game. So confident in that? Huh? No, no, and Tom Brady is going to take the Texans to school. I mean, after having I, I, I Tom Brady, the Patriots. 
Oh, the Patriots are going the to Patriots. Okay, I thought you said where's Tampa going? You said I don't know. I they're not in the, the division. I thought you said the Bucks were going somewhere. No, they're hosting the Dolphins. Oh, they're not in the AFC South. I still confuse Tom Brady and. Were you not? Are confused? you all right? No, let me ask you a question for real. <laughs> when you were watching the game on Sunday night, yeah, were you not confused a little bit? It was a little different. It, it was, was weird, different. wasn't now, it? You you couldn't watch any of the build up to the game not knowing who Tom played for and who he used to. Play I didn't. For. Well, I didn't watch any of the build up, and of, and of course I'm I'm rooting for Mac Jones because you know he's a he's a local guy and watched him play high school football, and so I was rooting for him. But it was just weird. I was like, wait, I get seeing Tom Brady, and then you're thinking he's in the Patriots uniform, and he's not. That that was different. Now, I mean, I was. You're asking me if I'm confused. Sunday night, I was confused. <laughs> Uh, it turned out to be a fantastic football game, though. It wasn't a high-scoring, up-and-down pinball machine game, but you know, there was, it came down to a field goal at the end that hit the upright. Field goal at the end. And then In the I, rain. Uh, it, it was good to hear that Belichick and Brady had a moment in the locker room after the game. Yeah. Because uh, life is too short to have any kind of issues between people. And those two had a, a beautiful relationship for 20 years. And I know that there are some things that were recently said by Tom Brady's trainer and a lot of things that have been insinuated and that Belichick never told Tom Brady goodbye kind of in person, which is a a damn shame. But I'm glad to see that those two, just like Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones, it's good to see life's too short for those kind of things. It was great to see those guys on the desk together at the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony and all that. and. Going through uh, all the, the great Cowboys days. So, uh, there you have it. We are uh, about a minute away or so from the Urban Meyer Show. And plenty to discuss today with the head coach, Logs. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's been a little bit embarrassing for the organization. I mean, there's no way around that. And, uh, and there's a lot of work to do, I think, from that standpoint. And make no mistake about it, there's plenty of work to do. Plenty of work and uh, some time to get it done. The Jaguars... Though the clock is ticking for this Week 5 game against the Tennessee Titans coming up Sunday at TIAA Bank Field. A lot to get through. They'll be back on the practice field tomorrow. And we'll discuss all of that coming up with head coach Urban Meyer in just a few minutes. Uh, Thanks to Dave DeCandis for stepping in today. Joe Fortunato did our open from a remote location. Brent Reber on the video side for Jeff Lagerman. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening to Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The Urban Meyer Show coming up next on the Jaguars Radio Network.